0: This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Amen. Well, it is always, always good to be in Salt Lake. Um, Salt Lake very much became home for us. Uh, we're neither one of us are from Utah, but uh, I was born in California. My wife in Colorado, but. We spent uh, nine years, almost 10 years here in, in Salt Lake City, and so it really has become home, and so it's always a pleasure to be here. Um, next time, I think, if, if you guys ever invite me back for Missions Convention, if we could do it in like June or something where it's a little warmer, <laughs> that would be great, I would appreciate that. But um, but we head home tomorrow, we head back to Honduras tomorrow, and so We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be warming up sooner than later. But, you know, Life Church has always been uh, such, such good friends to us over the years. In fact, um, Pastor Sid, I know I bring this up when I, when I'm, whenever I'm here. When I was in high school, Pastor Sid's just, he's not very much older than me, just a little, but older enough that he was my counselor in, in uh, youth camp many years ago. And uh, so got to know Pastor Sid there. And then when we moved to Salt Lake City, uh, our oldest son Malachi, and Carter Heckathorn became very good friends when they were little four year olds. And so we've just always had this great connection with Life Church. Pastor Jim's always been so kind. And uh, my wife attended MOPS here with, with Sister Carrie for many years. And so um, we've always just felt this, uh, just this connection with Life Church. Even though we were pastoring another church in town, just always felt very comfortable here. And so even right now, I feel very comfortable here. And so thank you so much for having us. Um, we, uh, we're missionaries in Honduras, we work primarily with uh, kids and kids ministry. I'll explain a little bit more about that in a second. We're gonna show you a video to give you some insight into that. Um, But we've been in Honduras. We we left the United States about three years ago. We spent a year in language school and then now I've been in in Honduras for about two years. And uh, we just feel very privileged. We are new missionaries in that sense. Uh, We haven't been there for for a really long time, but God has been very good to us in those years. So why don't we show this video uh, for, for just a couple of minutes and kinda let you see a little bit about what we do.
1: to make some slime I learned about in my science class last year. Last time I didn't make near enough. I want four times what I made before so that means I need a whole cup of water and two teaspoons of something called borax. I'm really glad I was able to learn these measurements so I can make this. I can't imagine not having a chance to go to school and learn about things like math or science. This happens all the time in other places. schools in Honduras that help kids do things they wouldn't be able to do on their own. Machinery Andy helps make going to school possible for them.
2: You know, in several of the neighborhoods that our schools are, if if our schools weren't there, many of the the students wouldn't go to school because the parents can't really afford taxis or buses to get their kids to school, so uh, there's definitely a few of our neighborhoods where if, if we weren't there, there just wouldn't be an educational opportunity.
1: Andy wants to do more than just teach the kids.
2: We really have two main reasons for the schools to exist. One is, um, they're schools, so so obviously we're concerned with the education of our students. We wanna set these kids up for success in the future. Our most important goal is to make sure that each of these kids has an introduction to Jesus and an opportunity to receive him as their savior.
1: It's so great that people like Andy are trying to help these kids become saved. I heard from a girl in one of these schools. Her name is Maris. I definitely feel like the school has had a positive influence on me,
0: especially in the Bible classes. They really encourage me to attend church regularly. The school has definitely helped me in my relationship with God.
1: Maris wants to become a doctor. That's one of the reasons why she works so hard in school. I want to be a good daughter. I want to behave myself well and give good advice. Medis is one of many kids able to attend the school, but there are still so many who don't have the same chances. Don't ever forget about the kids in Honduras. You can do your part right now by praying for them.
2: Poverty is an indicator of how much money is in the bank, and of course our students are poor. But I would ask you to pray for the spiritual life of our students, because with with the gift of joy that, that Jesus can give them, they can endure so many different things.
1: This is awesome! Alright, I better get this stuff cleaned up. But remember Metis and all the kids in Honduras. They're just like us, so they deserve the same chance as we do.
0: So the main portion of what we do is we work with a system of 10 schools in Honduras, and uh, like the video says, we're just there to, to provide educational opportunities in neighborhoods where sometimes those opportunities don't exist. And not only is it an ed- educational opportunity, but every one of our schools is attached to an Assembly of God church, and uh, the, the goal of that church through the school is to reach out to the community and uh, to minister to people uh, by by means of the school. And so we feel very privileged to have the opportunity to serve in the schools, to, to um to work with with the the different teachers and different administrative things that happen there. We also, uh, this last year, have run an after-school program in uh, one of the schools there. And so um, it's been a joy for us to be able to connect with the students like that. And so we we really enjoy what God has called us to do on the the educational side of our ministry. And then also we work with the, uh, I'm uh, on the board of directors for the National Children's Church Department in Honduras. And so we are in a, a a process of training children's ministers, children's pastors, uh, because children's ministry is something that the idea isn't really new new in, in Honduras, but uh, most churches when it was introduced in the 60s and 70s didn't really grab a hold of the idea. So we're kind of in this new phase of trying to train people to do children's ministry, because the kids usually just stay at home while their parents come to church. So we wanna, uh, we, we wanna change that. and so. Um, through the National Children's Church Department, the, the, the group that I belong to, the, I mentor the people who do the, the training, so I don't do the training myself, but we, we're in our second turn of, uh, of training children's pastors. In the first, uh, uh, the first group, we trained over 500 new children's ministers and planted 350 new children's ministries through those 500, and right now we're in our second turn with another 500 children's ministers and uh, we're hoping to plant somewhere between 250 and 300 new children's ministries in Honduras. Uh, the, the goal is 3,000 new children's churches over the next 10 years. And um, because we, <laughs> we wholeheartedly believe that if there's hope for Honduras, um, it's going to come through the kids. And um, there is, uh, I have stories I could tell you, but, but uh, we'll, we'll, I want to get into the word here in a second. But... But, um, you know, Honduras is a, it's a violent place. It's a dangerous place. Um, we don't ever really feel like we're in direct danger, so I don't want to make it, I don't want to oversell you on anything. I don't want to be, you know, one of those guys that uh, makes things sound like worse than they are. But uh, we do live in a very violent country. On, one day on our way to uh, our after school program, just as our turn off to the school off the main road, um, the, the police were there cleaning up a, a homicide scene that was just happened there on the side of the road. Um, it's, uh, it can be a little rough sometimes. In, in the city of San Pedro Sula, where three of our schools are, um, it's estimated that 10% of all deaths are due to homicide. And uh, not estimated, it's counted actually. It's not an estimate at all. And in, with the city where we live, it's around 9% of all deaths are due to homicide. So it's, um, it's a violent place that we live. At the same time, we know that we have a unique opportunity to raise up a generation for Christ that can change that. And so. Uh, we, While we do a lot of really interesting and important things, we, we work hard to work alongside our national church, the Assemblies of God of Honduras, because um, if there's amazing people that work in Honduras right now, it's not the missionaries. It's the, the, the National Church of the Assemblies of God. We just have the opportunity to stand alongside them and really help them push things forward, and we feel very privileged to be able to do that. So um, what I want to do this morning <coughs> is we're going to talk just about Missions and missions giving and generosity. This is maybe more of a pastoral message than it is uh, not, and uh, than it is a, a missionary message. But but I just want to encourage you along the lines of giving to missions. Uh, we you saw the, the, the amazing numbers that Life Church has, has given last year. Life Church is our number one supporting church in our ministry, and so we thank you. Those of you who give to missions, we're, we're able to receive that, and thank you so much for everything that you do uh, to bless, not just us, but missionaries all around the world. We have friends all around the world that are doing amazing things, and it's awesome to know there are churches and people like you who are participating in all those ministries. Um, but we, I want to I just encourage you this morning to, to, to be generous with what God has given you, because... You know, I know it sounds like you guys just uh, recently had a message about tithing, and now here we're talking about giving to missions on top of that, and it can seem a little overwhelming at times, can't it? Yes, no, maybe so. All right. Some of you look painted out there, like it's just an oil painting, but that's okay. It's okay. You'll wake up eventually. Um, But um, I know it can seem a little overwhelming, but, but, but really what's happened is we've convinced ourselves that we need a lot of things that we don't really need, you know? All those images that you see in the video, I took those photographers to, to those places. That's, that's the area that we live in. And uh, we, you know when you, you get out into the world and you see a few things, you realize that there's a lot of things that you feel like you need in life that you just don't really need. And so sometimes it comes down to a separation of what we need versus what we want. And so if God has blessed you and he's blessed you financially to get a nicer car and a bigger house, I want you to do those things because God's blessed you to do that. But at the same time, um, I want you to also consider uh, just, just being a, a generous giver to missions and to what God's doing all around the world because this gospel message is going beyond borders in all parts of the world right now, and we have a unique opportunity as believers to participate in that. If we can't go ourselves, we can participate financially. Our family gives to missionaries all around the world ourselves because we feel that call as well. We want to participate in what God's doing. And so I want to take you to... Um, Mark chapter six is where we're going to start, and after we read a few verses, we're going to jump to John chapter six. Uh, We're going to start in Mark because Mark is—I call it the chronological gospel. Um, A lot of Bible experts say that Mark is probably in in order the best out of the four gospels. That may or may not be the case, but that's what the experts say. And since I'm not an expert, I'm just going to trust them. So. I want to set a timeline for you of something that happened before a story that we're all very familiar with. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, and it says, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. We're going to jump to verse 12. So then the disciples went out telling everyone that they met to repent of their sins and to turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Now we'll jump to verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So uh, again, we're setting a timeline here. Jesus, The the disciples had been with him for a while, and after this little while, Jesus sends them out to go to ministry. He anoints them and sends them out, and the, the results were amazing. They went out and did all these amazing things. The, the Spirit of God went with them and responded to the needs of people, and all these incredible things happened as the 12 went out. They went out with this anointing, with this power of the Holy Spirit. And it says that they come back, they want to talk to Jesus about everything that had happened, and as they're, they're getting ready to talk, Jesus says, hey, listen, let's, let's all of us, we're going to go off and we're going to rest for a little while, and let's get away from, it the, said there was a lot of people there, and we know Jesus loved people and the disciples loved people, but sometimes you just need a few minutes for the team, right? And uh, so they, they, they try to, to go away and, and find a little bit of time to rest. And it says one of the saddest things I know in all of scripture, it says they didn't even have time to eat. That's sad. A guy like me, I can't, I can't handle that. I try to never miss a meal because I don't want to miss out on what God wants to bless me with, right? So, <laughs> um, so it says that, that, that they're going to go away. Now, we're going to jump to John chapter six. In Mark six, this is the next story that comes, but I just, I like to read it better out of John. So we're gonna jump to John six, and this is what happens immediately after they go away and they didn't have time to eat. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he said, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000, a story that many of us have heard many times over our lives. Of how Jesus multiplied bread and fish and fed 5,000 it says there was 5,000 men there we don't know women and children how many more were there but we we know a a crowd larger than 5,000 story we're very familiar with and so Jesus turns to Philip and he says where are we gonna find enough food to feed all these people and the answer to that question is there's no place that exists to to buy enough bread to feed that many people because they didn't have Costco around the corner, you know. They weren't going to co- go, go down the street and find a grocery store that had enough food for 5,000 people. There was no place. The, there is no right answer to this question. And, you know, sometimes God asks us questions that we feel like there's no right answer to. And one of those questions is when it comes to giving to missions. What are you going to do to participate in the work of God that's happening around the world right now and there's times we feel like, God I don't have the resources to do this. I didn't include this in the last one but there's a quote I love, it's a, it's a bit of a hard quote but there's a quote I love by Oswald J. Smith who was an incredible missions preaching pastor and Oswald J. Smith said, if it's the will, will of God t- for the evangelization of the world and you're not supporting missions, then you are against the will of God. It's a powerful quote, isn't it? It's a, it hits you a little too hard sometimes. And I read things like that all the time, and I say, God, we've, we've, what, what else can we do? We know it's the will of God to do these things. We know that there's an answer to this question. Just like Jesus is asking Philip, where are we gonna buy enough bread? And we say, how, else, how are we gonna reach the whole world? Well, we don't really know. There's not a right answer to the question. However, Jesus is setting them up for something pretty amazing. And so jumping, John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9 says, Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with such a huge crowd? What good is that with this huge crowd? Um, the, the, the last song that we sang talks about the meeting of, of faith and doubts. And that's where, where Andrew is right here. It's that meeting of faith and doubts, that moment where where we know God can do something amazing, but we're not real sure if he's gonna do something amazing. You ever been there? We kind of all live in that spot all the time, don't we? And I love to see that kind of stuff in the Word, because then I know these guys who had, who had miracles had happened at their very own hands um, by, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they also expressed these same doubts. Jesus, here's a boy, he's got five loaves, two fish, but what in the world can we do with this? And so, um, let, let, me, let me throw out, though, two things that really jump out at me about this situation. There's a group of 5,000 men, okay, so a group larger than 5,000, we know at least 5,001 because there's a boy there on top of it, right? So there's, there's at least 5,001 and I find it hard to believe that this kid's the only one that brought lunch. <laughs> I do, I mean, I don't usually go very far if I don't have lunch, so if I know I'm going out for the day, I want lunch. I find it hard to believe that this kid is the only one that has lunch. The thing is, he's the only one that was willing to share his lunch. And you know, there's a difference between uh, having what we need and being generous with what we have. You know? And um, it's pretty amazing, you know, I walk into pastor's houses in Honduras and. I won't go into all the details of describing the houses, but they're very simple houses much of the time. And I've yet to walk into somebody's house where they haven't sat me down and fed me. Um, And I know they don't have a lot of food. In fact, some of the reason I'm there is because they're in great need. But, But they always sit me down and feed me. They'll share what they have. They're very, very generous people. And there are times, church, where we just have to remember that God has given us all the great things he's given us, not just to bless us. He wants to bless us. And he has blessed us but he also wants us to move forward in generosity. This little boy was ready to be generous. In fact, I would make the argument that he left his house to be generous that day because five loaves, two fish, not a lot for 5,000 people, but it's a lot for a little boy, right? I mean, maybe when I was a little boy, I could have eaten five loaves and two fish by myself, but that was, I was a portly little fella, so that was, that was a whole different ballgame, but, but I think this guy... This this boy, he left this house with the intention to share. I think he woke up that morning, said, I'm going out today. I don't know if he said, I'm going to go find Jesus today. I don't know what he went to do that day. But when he left the house, he's like, I got to take lunch, and I'm going to take more than enough. You know, when God finds people who are willing to be generous and prepared to be generous and intend to be generous there's amazing things that happen right after that and so we continue to read in verse 11 John chapter six then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people afterward he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted another great portion of scripture they all ate as much as they wanted praise the Lord hallelujah right um but it says that they all had as much as they wanted. There was nothing, nobody was lacking because this little boy's generosity. And in fact, the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record this story as well. And in all of those gospels, it says that not only did Jesus take the food and bless it, but it says specifically that he put it in the hands of the disciples, the ones who previously, when we read in Mark 6, had been sent out. They'd been sent out to go beyond borders. They'd been sent out to do the ministry amongst the different people group. They'd been sent out much like we send out missionaries. And so when God, when Jesus takes the generosity of this little boy and he puts it in the hands of the ones who have been sent out, that's where the miracle happened. It didn't say that Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes himself and then distributed them. It says he gave them to the 12, and in the hands of the sent ones, in the hands of the ones who had crossed borders, in the hands of, I'll make the argument, the missionaries. When these guys, when this boy gave to missions, there was enough provision for everybody that was there. And it tells us in verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So not only was there enough for everyone there, but the 12, the, the disciples, the sent ones, took home enough to keep feeding them for a while as well. There's something amazing, there's something miraculous that happens when we give to missions, church. And this is something that I don't just talk about, but it's something that I've experienced. Uh, fortunately for us right now, we're, we're many times on the receiving side of, of God's multiplication miracles when it comes to giving to missions. But there's been many times in our life where we've been on the giving side of that as well. When we were here uh, pastoring at Mount Calvary, the first year I took over as the senior pastor, And God had put it on my heart that we needed to do a little bit more when it came to missions. The whole previous year, we had given about $7,000 to missions. You saw your numbers of 400,000. Our whole year before, we were a church of about 100, 150. Um, We had given $7,000 to missions, and that was not really a good year for us. In fact, our giving had been slowly declining for many years. And so God put it on my heart after meeting a missionary that we were going to take a one-time offering for $5,000. We were gonna give it to a missionary who said he could build a church with that $5,000. And so we said, one time offering, $5,000. We're gonna give about 80% of what we gave the whole previous year in one day. And of course, everyone thought I was a little crazy, but um, you know, God works through crazy people, thank goodness. So um, so we, uh, we announced it to the church three weeks in advance, and that morning between our first and second service, a gentleman came up to me and he wrote me a check for $5,000, and said he wanted to participate in this offering. We hadn't even come to the point we were going to take the offering, and we already had $5,000 in hand. So we announced that to the second service. We said, now our goal is $10,000. We're going to take this offering in three weeks for $10,000. The next Sunday before church, a lady came up to me. She said, God has spoken to me. My husband and I, we want to give in this offering. Can we do that today? I said, absolutely. She brings me an envelope with $5,000 in cash. And so we had quickly gone from a a $5,000 goal to a $15,000 goal. And so we prayed and and people started to sacrifice. The goal was for every family to give $50. That was the goal, $50 to $100 if every family could give, then we could give $5,000. And people were planning and they were sacrificing and they're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm gonna skip my lunch this week for two days and I'm gonna take lunch from home so that I can have my $50 for my offering. It was just this amazing time in our church And two weeks later, the time came for the offering, and our goal was for a $5,000 one-time offering, and that Sunday, we collected the offering for a little bit more than $7,000 that came in through a a group of people who had only given 7,000 the whole previous year. In one day, God had moved in that church and done something amazing. But the story is, it it gets even better. The next Sunday, the missionary was gonna come he was gonna be there for the Sunday night service. We were making a big, you know, the big publisher's clearinghouse kind of checks for him. We were gonna give him a big check and, and uh, cause we'd never done anything like that before, you know. For us, it was pretty amazing that God had provided for us that way. But that morning in the service, I was telling everybody to come out that night to meet the missionary and we were gonna give him this check and he didn't know what was happening. The missionary had no idea. And there was a man from the east side of Salt Lake who got, that morning when he woke up, God told him to find Mount Calvary. So he looked it up online or in the phone book. It was long enough ago we used phone books, but um, so I don't know if it's online or the phone book. He only found two Mount Calvaries, the cemetery and our church. So he figured he better go to the church. <laughs> so he showed up at church that day, and while we were talking about this, God moved on his heart. And he wrote us a check for three thousand dollars, and so that night we presented that missionary with a check for over twenty-two thousand dollars from a church we didn't think we could. We, in fact, we knew we couldn't. We knew we couldn't do $5,000, but we were going to follow God, and we were going to be obedient, and we were going to be generous, and God did amazing things through that. And we had the opportunity to go to Panama after that and uh, build a couple of those churches and see the communities where they were, and it was just amazing stuff. In fact, that, that first trip to Panama was where God called me to missions. I, I remember sitting in a hotel in Aguadulce, Panama, and uh, that was where God called me to missions. And so... Um, Church, there are amazing things that happen when we make a decision to be generous. When we put our generosity in the hands of the sent ones, in other words, when we give to missions, we shouldn't be afraid. I'm not preaching some prosperity gospel. I was, I was joking with, with Karen a second ago, and I said I could go real televangelist with this and tell everybody, you know, if you give $52 for the five loaves and two fishes, then God's gonna bless you, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying anything like that. You know, generosity is different for each one of us. Uh, I, we have monthly supporters that support us at $5 a month and we know that that's a sacrifice for them. And so, we know that uh, when, I, when I say be generous, there's no specific dollar amount that equals generosity. That's what God speaks to you. He puts that in your heart. But through your generosity, lives are changed. And I'll close with telling you a story I told on Friday night if you were here, but I'll tell it a little quicker this morning. of a little boy named Alejandro that Alejandro's about to start 8th grade in Tegucigalpa where we live. And... Um, and about two years ago, through our school, he had come to school from first grade through sixth grade, and he was not a Christian, not from a Christian home. Um, in fact, his parents were, were drug addicts and alcoholics, and, uh, but his grandma had wanted him to be in this positive school, so she put him in school there. And after all these years in a chapel service at the beginning of sixth grade, Alejandro accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. It was an awesome moment. Um, I've heard all the stories of what happened that day. I wasn't there, but I've heard all the, the awesome stories of what happened that day. And over the course of the next year, Alejandro started ministering to his parents and saying that God loved them and God had a plan for them. And it took a year, but after a year, both of his parents received Jesus Christ. This was about a year ago. But not just his parents. His parents. He has several aunts and uncles that were also involved in drugs and alcohol. They've all been saved. They've all been set free. <laughs> I plan on attending <laughs> I plan on attending Alejandro's baptism with his parents in the month of March. He's going to finish a class and be baptized. And so I'm very proud of Alejandro and what God's done through him. But let me let me go backwards and draw the the, the, the picture for you of how this works. God moves on the heart of somebody like you to be generous with your resources, with your finances, and you give to missions. You have a wonderful pastoral staff here that believes in missions, and so, they send that that money all around the world to do this this type of work. But some of that money ends up in Tegucigalpa, Honduras where we build a school and we staff that school with godly teachers and those teachers minister to to children, little boys like Alejandro. And so the salvation of that boy, the salvation of his family is thanks to generous people like you that said, I may not have much, it's just five loaves and two fish, but whatever I've got, I'm gonna give and I'm gonna let God use my little bit to be a blessing to to, to many and so church if we're gonna take this message beyond borders it's it's not just going to be because God is amazing and he does amazing things but it's also going to be in response to our generosity when we make a decision to give to missions Amazing and incredible things can happen. And I know Pastor Jim's going to come in just a second and talk to you a little bit more about giving to missions on a monthly basis, but I would just encourage you to do that as much as you can. You will never be sorry that you gave to missions. I can guarantee you that. So thank you so much Pastor Jim and God bless you. This is Pastor Eric, thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.